Good evening. Before Mike leads our opening prayer, let's sing in moments like these. <clears throat> in moments like these, I sing out a song, I sing out a together, to love each other more deeply, and to allow that love for others to cause your church to grow. Thank you for the sacrifice of Jesus, and help us appreciate what you do for us on a daily basis. I pray in Jesus' name. our hearts and our minds in the right place for the Lord's Supper. <clears throat> Sing number 314, Beneath the Cross of Jesus. <clears throat> Beneath
Heavenly Father, we thank you for another opportunity to surround this table, to be reminded of just how much you love us, just how great a sacrifice you caused your son to make for us. Father, we thank you that in spite of our problems, our weaknesses, our sinfulness, that you loved us so much that you sent your only son to die a terrible, cruel death. Father, we thank you for that. We thank you for the mercy and the grace that was poured out through him. Father, be with us as we take of this bread, which represents his body. We ask in Jesus' holy name. Father, we thank you for Jesus' willingness to allow himself to be put on that cross to shed his blood in our stead. Father, we thank you for the forgiveness. We thank you for the hope that we have through his resurrection. Please be with us as we remember him in the taking of this cup which represents his blood in Jesus' holy name. Before Matt brings our lesson, let's stand and sing in Christ alone. <clears throat> in Christ alone, my hope is found. He is my light, my strength, my song. This cornerstone, this solid ground, firm through the fiercest drought and storm. What heights of love, what depths of peace, when fears are stilled, when striving cease. My comforter, Here in the love of Christ I stand In Christ alone Who took on flesh Fullness of God in helpless babe This gift of love and righteousness Scorned by the ones he came to save, till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied, for every sin on him was laid, here in the death of Christ, 
live. No guilt in life, no fear in death. This is the power of Christ in me. From life's first cry to final breath, Jesus commands my destiny. No power of hell, no scheme of man can ever claw me from his hand. Tell me returns or calls me home here in the power of Christ. So we are starting the last sermon of this series. I missed a scripture this morning that's kind of important to the overall theme of the series. So I've asked Doug to move it from this morning's to tonight's. So that's what's going on right now. But let's recap really quickly. Am I on? I sound on? Yeah. Don't sound on. What? I'm on now. There we go. Might want to turn me down a little bit. Yep. So let's recap a little bit. We started with character under construction. As, as you know, I used that concept to in, introduce the idea that we are constantly under change. We are constantly um, renewing ourselves. We are constantly coming to a place of repentance. We are constantly um, coming back to God. As they've always, you know, I've heard this analogy a hundred times uh, growing up. Life is like a roller coaster. It's full of ups and downs, sometimes some corkscrews, and even now and then a little bit of loop-de-loops, right? Like, life is all over the place, and sometimes so are we. We can be all over the place in that center that we keep coming back to, that center that keeps us grounded, that center that keeps us on the straight and narrow is God and His Word and the relationship that we have with Him. It's just like any other relationship you've had with anybody else in the world. Even the closest relationships you've ever had aren't always perfect, are they? Why aren't they perfect? Well, in a normal relationship, it's because nobody's perfect. In your relationship with God, the, the reality is because you're not perfect. Because He is. So, we started with that idea of your character is constantly under construction. Okay, and that is very encompassing to the next couple points we use, where we talked about your heart being um, um, renewed and, and your uh, mind being transformed. And those kind of, in, the, the, the idea of character comes from your heart, the idea of character comes from your mind. So it's encompassing. Well, on the other side, like bookends, is the spirit. And the spirit's a, a little bit uh, deeper concept um, and is certainly up for debate on. Um, what, what we're going to be talking about tonight. But it's also one of those things that's encompassing. If you notice, for those of you who have been at or listened to every sermon from this series, you will see that some of the same scriptures I use for heart, some of the same scriptures I use for mind, are going to be in tonight's lesson. And the reason why is because it's very hard to find something that talks about your spirit 
without talking about your heart in the Bible. It's very hard to find something that talks about your spirit without seeing something that talks about your mind in the Bible. Because the truth is, our spirit, our soul, however you want to perfectly define it, is certainly encompassed by our heart and our mind. It's what makes us who we are, right? The way I think, the way I feel, the, the, what I'm driven by, defines who I am. So this is one of those moments where we're coming to the end and thinking about ourselves in completeness, and I thought it was smart to end with the Spirit. Now, 1 Timothy chapter 1 says this, verse 13, Follow the pattern of the sound words that you have learned from me. Now this is Paul talking to Timothy, and he's talking about his own teachings which came from the Holy Spirit and are now Scripture. Okay? In the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus, by the Holy Spirit who dwells within us, guard the good deposit entrusted to you. Now we're all familiar with the Holy Spirit. We all understand the role of the Holy Spirit. We all understand that Jesus said, I am leaving because greater is he who's coming into the world, speaking of the Holy Spirit. Right? I got to get out of the way, so to speak, is what Jesus said. So we're all familiar with that. We understand. We talked about this morning, even, and we've talked about many times over the years, how our bodies are the temples of the Holy Spirit, God dwelling in us. Okay? God who dwells within us, right? And this is an important concept for what we're talking about tonight, but it's not the only concept of, of what we're talking about tonight. Like, for example, Isaiah 57. For thus says the one who is high and lifted up, who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy, I dwell in the high and holy place, and also with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit to revive the spirit of the lowly and to revive the heart of the contrite. So here is another scripture where you can't see the spirit without the heart and those two being connected, right? But this is different than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, please hear me, the Holy Spirit does not need to be revived. The Holy Spirit does not need to be renewed. Maybe within you, maybe within your commitment to the Holy Spirit, to God, but the Holy Spirit is part of God. It is perfect. It does not need to change. Okay? So, I wanted to talk about this for a minute because we, we hinted at this this morning. And this is a big part of the lesson to me. This is a big part of... Um, I guess my understanding um, from these passages that we've been going through. What does it mean when it says, I dwell with him who is of a contrite and lowly spirit? Lowly doesn't sound that good, does it? When it says, blessed are those who are poor in spirit, like we read this morning. Does that sound good? Does it sound like you should be poor in spirit? Does that sound like something that you should strive to be poor in spirit? Poor, lowly, seems to mean to me or indicate to me, and I have more scriptures we'll go through, that this is someone who's down. 
This isn't someone in their best day. This isn't someone at their best time. This isn't someone that's on fire. And as I was thinking about this, and I was um, thinking of the best place I could go, the best thing I could, I could use to explain why this is so important, is I think about the Pharisee and the tax collector that Jesus talks about. The Pharisee, he doesn't see his wrongs. He doesn't, he doesn't um, have the same humility. He doesn't have the same repentance. He's not uh, sorry because he honestly thinks he's in the right. He cannot be accused. In fact, in his prayer, what's he say? He says, thank God that I am not like this man. Right? That's not someone who's low in spirit. That's not someone who's poor in spirit. That's not someone who's humble. That's not someone who's addressed their own sin in their life. But what's the tax collector do? He can't even speak. Why? Because he's going through his sin in his heart and in his mind and in his spirit. All he can do is beat his chest. You ever been there? You ever been in front of the Lord? In prayer? In repentance? Whenever it is in your life? Where you really felt like there was nothing you could say? You didn't have an excuse? That's low in spirit. That's humility. You know, the difference is, that man's about to change. That man is repenting. That man is reviving. That man is renewing. That tax collector is addressing his sin before the Lord. The Pharisee... The Pharisee doesn't even think he sins. In fact, the Pharisee thinks he's made so many boundaries away from sin that he, he can cross a few boundaries before he ever actually gets to sin. You see, one of the things we've got to be really careful of in our Christian walk is never forget where we came from and never pretend like we've arrived. Because the truth is God is working on us every single day, just like we've been discussing throughout this entire series and we're getting better every day, hopefully, but some days are better than others, right? Some times in life are better than others. Can't forget where we came from. We can't forget the sinners that we are and used to be. But the good news is, when you're in those times, expect revival. Expect God to come and do something in your life, to restore you, to revive you, to bring you energy, because that's exactly what Isaiah 57 says. Look at this one. Now, I don't want to put it all on God, and I've been doing that a lot in this, in this series, and that's on purpose, because I want you to understand that God is with you. He doesn't say, hey, repent, be baptized, and good luck. You're on your own. I hope you walk perfectly for the next however many days are in your life. No, he's with you every step of the way, including the bad steps. 
Extremely important part of this message. Okay? Ezekiel 18. Cast away from you all the transgressions that you have committed and make yourselves a new heart and a new spirit. Why will you die, O house of Israel? For I have no pleasure in the death of anyone, declares the Lord God. So turn and live. <clears throat> what he's saying here is, there is an obligation for each of us. The difference between the tax collector and the Pharisee is that simple. The tax collector is, is at that point where he's making himself a new heart. He's repenting for who he, ha he has become and the things that he has done that's led him to this place, this moment in time. Okay, so there is a double part of the commitment. It's not all on God. You can't just do whatever you want in life and just put the rest on God. It's all on God. That's not exactly how it works. I want you to understand you can't save yourself. You can't be the most righteous person in all of history and because of that save yourself, you still need the blood of Christ. But there's a commitment we undertake. There's a part of this relationship that, that we endure, that we take ownership of. We can't just throw it all to God. Okay? Ezekiel 36. See how it just says the exact same thing? Because you don't do it alone. You know, this is that moment where the prodigal son is returning. Right? There was a portion of that journey he had to do on his own. His father was not, his father didn't go and find him. Right? God, we know, is the father waiting on the porch, seeing the son far down the road, running to meet him. Does anybody deny that? He didn't go to the foreign land. He didn't go into the sin. But he was there waiting when he got back. Watching for when he came back. Running to meet him. Right? So you, there's a part of it that relies on us, that rests on us, and then there's a part of it that God is going to take care of. And this is the important part. We've already read this scripture, so I'm going to go over it real quick. Verse 26, And I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. You know, that bleeds into what we talked about this morning. The world gives you that heart of stone. The world desensitizes you to sin. The world makes it harder for us to experience God. Because it focuses on the wrong thing at times. It doesn't always focus on the godly things, right? So that heart of stone that we develop is because we start to justify, we start to rationalize, we start to make excuses for our sin. And we become desensitized. Like I said, the first time you go and do a specific sin that you know is wrong, it's hard to do it after the 10th, 12th, 15th time. Are you having that same conversation with yourself when you're going to do it? Because your heart's getting hard. Verse 27, and I will put my spirit within you and cause you. Who's doing that? and cause you. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey my rules. You know why? Because once you see it, you can't unsee it. 
Once you experience it, you can't unexperience it. Once you know it, you don't forget it. And then God is using his spirit to write his laws, his commandments, his scriptures on our heart. Here's another one. Psalm 51. This is definitely one of my favorite scriptures of all time. One of my favorite devotional songs too. Create in me a clean heart, O God. And renew a right spirit within me. Again, the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit doesn't need to be renewed. It doesn't need to be made right. Okay? Cast me not away from your presence and take not your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and uphold me with a willing spirit. You see, the heart feels. And the mind thinks. But the spirit you're united with becomes your will. Does that make sense? The heart feels, well, I feel like the mind thinks, well, I think it should be. But the spirit you align yourself with, I know, I know, Matt's talking crazy again, right? Spirit you align yourself with is going to be where your will comes from. So, when it says, uphold me with a willing spirit, it's talking about you, not the Holy Spirit. It's interesting, right? You look at the qualifications of elders. What's the first qualification? We focus on a lot of them. What's the first one? It's got to be willing. It's got to be willing. Right? And I love, I love this because when my heart is clean and when my spirit is renewed and when I have the Holy Spirit, right, and I have the joy of my salvation that God has granted to me and my spirit is willing, then I can change people. That's what the scripture is saying. Then I will teach transgressors your ways and sinners will return to you. Which is why it's important to remember we're being renewed every single day. It's easy to lose heart in a world that is constantly trying to create doubt in your walk. It is easy to lose heart in a world that is constantly throwing things at you to make you feel like you're missing out. It's easy to lose heart in a world that sometimes throws you something you weren't expecting. Puts you in a situation you didn't expect to have to deal with. It's easy to lose heart. And we all do from time to time. In my opinion, because I can't speak to everybody's personal life, but from the greatest to the worst of us, we lose heart from time to time. 
it's always important to remember that we're being renewed day by day, one day at a time. You know, when I first started ministry here, one of the people that was big influence in my life was Bart. Bart Falkenberry. We went through some stuff together. And he used to tell me all to the point where I got sick and tired. And if you're watching this, you know it's true. He would say, one day at a time. One day at a time. When you're young, that's the last thing you want to hear. When you're old, older. Turn 40 tomorrow. I haven't talked about that yet, have I? It's not bothering me at all. <clears throat> it's important to remind yourself that. And not just for you, but for the people you love. For the people you're praying about. For the people you're trying to influence. You know, one of the things that I find to be difficult at times is to have patience for people who are struggling when I'm not. When I'm in struggle, it's easier to have patience with people who struggle. But when I'm not struggling, you look at those people and you say, why can't you just move on? Why can't you just get over it? Every day is a new day. God is doing something to, through us and to us every single day. Don't give up on those people around you. And certainly, don't lose heart and give up on yourself. Man, you've all heard it before. But so many people, so many people in my life, who I've ministered to, tried to evangelize to, people in my family, close friends, loved ones, and strangers even. So many people in my life have told me, I, there's no point in me going to church because God will never forgive me for this. Right? Like, I've already ruined all of God's grace. It's gone. I wasted it all. Like, there's some magic amount. That's why I said from the beginning and why it's so important to understand that when Christ died for sin he died for it all even the stuff you haven't done yet so this is the point Galatians 5 but I say walk by the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh for the de desires of the flesh are against the spirit and this is where it gets difficult this is where it gets difficult Okay? For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit. And the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other. To keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. See, this is that part we come to where we have to understand. And, it, and this is where it gets real deep. Okay, and this is where you can debate. You can, you can have a difference of opinion. It's okay. I, I might be getting older, but I am certainly not the, uh, I don't have everything perfectly figured out in the Bible. It's kind of thick and deep book. It's kind of written by somebody much smarter than any of us. Right? But I've done some digging. I've done some real thinking about it because the Bible is... Oh, it's almost tricky when it comes to this idea of flesh and spirit and Holy Spirit and soul. And, and this is really what I believe. And I believe my soul is united with a spirit. 
And I believe there's actually many spirits. In fact, if there weren't many spirits, if you have an issue with me saying that, I just want to ask you, why does Scripture tell us to test the spirits if there's only one? And if you think there's only one, let me ask you another one. What's the spirit of the air that Paul talks about? It's not a good spirit. That's not a spirit you want to align yourself with. In fact, that's the spirit that the world is aligned with, whether they realize it or not. Whatever's in the air, it's a good way to think about it. Right? So your soul is going to align with a spirit, with a influence is a good way to think of it. An influence in the world. You can have, either have the Holy Spirit, which is the holy influence of the world. It's God. It's literally a piece of God. It's hard to describe it because it's spirit. And how do you describe spirit? I get it. But it's that influence, that holy influence that goes with you, that, that, that speaks to your inner being. Or you can have the spirit of the air. See, the spirit that this is talking about in here, the spirit that you're going to be led by, that you should be led by, according to Paul and Galatians, is certainly not your spirit. It's certainly not your soul. It's the Holy Spirit. It's certainly not the spirit of the air. Or all the spirits that you need to test. So your soul is united to the Spirit. And if that Spirit is the Holy Spirit, it will actually be in opposition to your flesh. There are plenty of things. Look, this is something that I've been going through in my own life. And I've had to realize in my own life. It's been a serious moment for me in my own life. There's always something in the Bible you don't like. Everybody's got it. Nobody wants to admit it, but everybody's got it. There's always something in the Bible that if you were the author and you were the one that got to write it, you would have wrote it a little bit differently. That's your flesh. That's your flesh. See, the truth is you're not sinful. You're not sinful because you're not sinful because you're flesh, right? You're not born sinful, right? You're not born sinful because your parents were sinners and they were of flesh and therefore they made you and you're of flesh and you've inherited all the sin of your parents. There's nothing going on there. But the desires of the flesh that we read about this morning are corrupt. They're deceitful. Right? And anybody who's partaken in desires of the flesh understand they're not satisfying. Which is why they're deceitful. Most people sin because they think they're going to be satisfied with something they do. Most people sin because they think it's going to accomplish something, right? And then they end up in the same place everybody does. Where it hasn't. So this spirit, the Holy Spirit, and your flesh are in opposition to each other. And which is why you have to deny your flesh and be led by the spirit. I could go through a lot more scripture. 
I thought about it. I could go in a lot of different ways. But I didn't want to muddy up the water more than I already have. So I wanted to end by making it real simple. My first take home is this. Renewal of the Spirit is about commitment to live out the Word of God. Simple. Renewal of the Spirit, renewal of the will, is about commitment to live out the Word of God. A devotion to righteousness and truth, and a persistence that endures in times of suffering, trial, and temptation. That's what renewal of the Spirit is about. Two, renewal of the Spirit comes when we come back from failure and sin. Or have been beaten down by trial and tribulation. It is a spirit of repentance, renewal, and healing. But it is also a spirit of strength, wisdom, and conviction. Here's the best part. Anybody who's ever been through it before knows. Energy and zeal come with that. Zeal to do the word of God. Zeal to do the work of the Lord. And a whole new energy comes with that. But you want to wrap it up and make it even easier? You want to wrap all four lessons into one verse? It's the verse I forgot this morning. Because this is what we're talking about. New year, new you, 2022. What's our purpose? You know what our purpose is? Flip the world upside down. That's our purpose. To flip the world upside down. Look, the apostles, look what it says, Acts chapter 17, verse 6. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. These people were everywhere they go. People are changing. People are turning to this, this Messiah, this Jesus, the Son of God, right? Everywhere they go, they're flipping the world upside down. It doesn't matter if they go into the strongest city with the strongest religious zealots in the world. It doesn't matter if they go into the weakest city that nobody's ever heard of. Everywhere they go, people are committing to changing their lives for Christ. The Word of God, the church, is growing so fast, it's like nothing anybody's ever seen before, to the point to where those of us who know our history know that some of the biggest powers in the world started to oppose it heavily. It was changing the world. A belief. And why is that? Because they made Jesus their king. See, everything, we've, everything we talk about, everything we're ever going to talk about can be simplified into that one statement. They made Jesus their king. And when your king tells you to do something, you do it. And when you don't do what the king wants, you make it right. Right? So the question is simple tonight. Is there something that needs to be renewed? It's 2022. We're almost out of January already. We're one twelfth of the way gone. Better, better change to a new series soon. It'll be irrelevant. Is there something that needs to be renewed? I mean, what in your life is getting in the way of your relationship with Jesus Christ? Is it your heart? Is it your mind? Is it your spirit? 
What is it? And then I ask the simplest question, which is also the most difficult question. Is Jesus your king? Is he your king? Right? I did a sermon a long, long time ago where we were discussing the differences between Jesus being your Savior and Jesus being your Lord. The Savior part is easy. I can't do it on my own. Save me. That's the easy part. Everybody loves that part of Jesus. The hard part is making him the Lord of your life. The hard part is making him the king. The hard part is removing yourself from the throne and giving it to him. That's the part where we fail. Where sometimes we remove him and put ourselves back on. That's the part where we need to be renewed. Where are you at? It's 2022. It's a new year. If there's anyone in here who has not been baptized, you can do that. And we all know that through baptism we receive forgiveness of our sins, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, and we're added to the body of Christ. I think everybody in here has done that. So I'm just going to end by saying, 2022, will he be your king? Will he be your king? Because people who make him their king turn their world upside down. If there's any need to respond to the invitation, you can come as together we stand and sing. pick up a bulletin if you didn't get one there's a lot of information in there uh, as far as what uh, what's going on
Um, just mentioned a couple of the new updates that we had in there. Gene Eggy, as well as having the flu, has also got the shingles. So keep it, Gene, in your in your prayers. Rita's still having problems with her leg. The bone's still separated, but she does have the brace on. Hopefully that will start to knit. But keeping people in your prayers, you can kind of see it. Uh, John Larson was here this morning. You know, he busted some ribs and everything like that a few weeks back. So he's healing. The Rat family was here this morning. They all had the flu, but they were feeling better. Uh, Ray and Bree were here this morning after having the flu, so they're doing better. Um, Clayton Ablin was here and seems like he's getting maybe maybe a little bit more. He's not as distressed as he was with his arm. Mike O'Neill continues to improve. So, you know, a lot of times we talk about people who need prayers because of where they're at. Keep the prayers up for those folks too, but God does answer prayers. You can see those people are recovering. Now before William leads our closing prayer, let's stand and sing, Take the Name of Jesus with You. we come to you just so happy father because as our creator you didn't forget us we are always trying to throw ourselves out there like we're somebody important but father you continuously tell us we need to just get down low depend on you don't depend on your mind, your parents, your material goods, your kids. Depend on you. Father, I have seen where you have turned my life upside down recently. 
things that I thought I really, really loved doing. I was serving you. I was right where I needed to be. You have opened the door where now, Father, I have grown because even the little ones, the ones who, I, 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 I give them lip service, but that's about it. But when they reach down and say, William, I love you and I pray for you, and it touched me, Father. And I thank you for that. I thank you for taking certain things away from me so that I can appreciate it more. Father, I look at the new members of this body and I'm encouraged. I'm gun ho for you. I look at the, the possibilities in this area and I'm encouraged. I look forward to sharing you with them. When I hear Mike and Matt just preaching your word, I stay fired up, Father. Stay fired up because we are changing every day. We are repenting every day. We have our hands on the plow. And Father, there is no such thing when a Christian as the good old days. That old man is gone. We're new creatures. We're walking for you. We're living for you. We are one with you, Father. I thank you for that. We pray this prayer in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen.